welcome to the Squarebase Podcast, a weekly YouTube show and amazing community building project from me, Rob, and my co-host, Val Heffelfinger. In this week's show, we're going to be talking about morale, and we hope this brings you some positive vibes. I know the timing now, so I know how long it is, so I know how long I've got, I think. No, I faded out. It's actually that's, that's that was that was that was manual, bud. <laughs> manual, bud. <laughs> this ain't no playlist, okay? You I, you don't just you don't just you don't just click go where I'm from. <laughs> we're actually we're actually it's, it's actually on vinyl. I I get the EP out. Can we get a, can we get out. a can we get a fresh press for like as merch? Is that a thing? A French French what? <laughs> No, not a French press. A fresh press. A vinyl uh, press. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I think we should start releasing the podcast on vinyl. I think it's an unexplored segment. Agreed. Uh, that's, a, that's a brilliant idea, as a matter of fact. I, I was so about to get into a car to record it with you, uh, really to add to the vibes. Uh, <laughs> if you like, I could go I could go hop in the car. If you like, no, please let's do it from the car in the future. We are, we are, of course, referencing the fact that last weekend on the drive back from the Square Base GT, which did happen this weekend mm-hmm. in Welland at the Fuck Bunker, and we, uh, I love and gen- how much they loved the Fuck Bunker. I don't think they saw that coming. They didn't see it coming, did they? Like, no. and and it is now the name of the place. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I, I'm also a little nervous that like. They're just going to start getting some very non-Warhammer people booking the uh, booking the Warhammer Airbnb. Oh, 100B. Uh, purely, like, just trying to get, like, an hourly rate, and they're going to be like, what? Why? And they're just going to be too innocent to understand what the hell's going on. <laughs> they, they are sweet. That is true. Okay, so, yeah, we did the uh, Squarebase GT in Canada, if you've been paying attention, um, was this weekend. And if you are new to the show, welcome. Uh, I'm Rob, and this is my co-host and uh, uh, greatest friend, uh, Val Helferfinger. And we, um, uh, well, he ran uh, the Squarebase GT, which is Warhammer Fantasy Battle 8th edition event. Pete ran. Pete ran. <laughs> oh, Pete, yeah. It was a delegation. It was a very steady delegation downward. Um, I also liked, I also, I watched a little bit of your show yesterday. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, uh, I arrived in Canada and then I was told I had to paint something. Even though the game has been been gone for eight years, apparently there were still models to paint. <laughs> yes, there were, Rob. I couldn't have you with those old chameleon skinks. You wouldn't have wanted that. That's fine. You would. Those, That's... You know how nasty those skinks are. You yeah, don't want they... those nasty skinks. You want the good new. You want those good last sword miniature skinks. I'm lucky that we didn't uh, end up using these swarms because they really do suck uh, as a mini. I don't even know if I've ever seen a lizard man swarm. Oof, I've got loads. I've got loads. Um, I, were they in? Eight, yeah, they were in eighth edition because Tehuan yeah. could use them, I think. Um, Tehuan. But, yeah, Tehuan. Anyway, well, so yeah, if you have just joined us, today's show we're going to be talking about the Old World Almanac. And at the end, we'll talk about a little bit about the Square Beach GT. But I think there's actually so much to talk about from that that two things are happening. One, I'd like to record a separate show with you about that, if that's okay. And then number two, because I think there's actually a lot to deep dive from that. And then number two, um, I'm also recording an, a, an extra video as well. Or I've, start, I've already started editing it together, actually. My experiences from the weekend, which is super fun. Um, okay. So those are those are two new things you can expect to come soon 
about about the weekend. But we will talk about the end and talk about some bits. But generally, did you have a great time? Well, man, like I had like a gross time. Like it was, I was like, it was one of those times where I think like like established people who play like uh, who, who play tabletop games and they go to the same. Like I'm sure this happens to all. Like as much as I loathe them. This probably also is a feeling shared by people who go to Adepticon every year where they just sort of look at, they get there and they see all of their friends in one place from like every corner of the weirdo planet and they just get like really weepy all the time. And so like, I don't like sharing that anything with Adepticon people, but I, I'm sure I share that with them. And so it was just so, so nice to have everyone there and that's it. That was it. Also wildly successful. You had uh, 30 players from all around the world uh, it was definitely an international GT as well. Uh, a lot of people who, the people who it was their first event. Um, so many amazing kind of like uh, stories from the event, which is why I think it deserves its own little video in, in deep detail, which I'd very much like to, to do in the future. Um, I'm glad we won you over. And also, shall we, shall we announce the Squarebase GT The Resurrection? We shall. Squarebase GT2 in the UK. Uh, is, the Resurrection. Yeah, is in March. The. <laughs> the. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just keep 30, vamping. 31? Keep vamping. 30, 31? Uh, 30, 31. Uh, so March 2024, the 30th and 31st of March at the TSN Arena in Nottingham. TSN mm -hmm. Arena in Nottingham will be the Squarebase GT2, uh, and that will be uh, in England, obviously in Nottingham, where I'm at, and it will be pure old world at that point. Yeah, it'll be pure old world, and it'll be Val, Rob, and the Holy Ghost. It'll be pretty sick. <laughs> it's going to be really good. I Rob, just, could... just, to, just to remind you, that's Easter. Easter is when Jesus comes back while well, he's gone, and then he's back, and then he walks into the sky. Just a quick primer for you, bud. Listen... You can you can talk all sorts of nonsense to me today because today is a joyous day. Today is a joyous day. Yeah. Have you looked at the news beyond this morning? It, I know you've only just woken up. Have you looked at the news I've, this morning? Beyond it being square base day? Why what happened? Can I announce something to you that you don't know yet? Don't look, don't look, don't, don't look. Okay, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. Go ahead. Kissinger is dead. Ah, ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> ding dong. Ah, you know what? Only, only the, uh, only the bad ones die young. How old was he? A uh, one hundo. Ah, ah, he made it a century. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, but anyway. Um, <laughs> there was, a, I found out today. I found out today that um, there was a a five thousand copy book release written in like the 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 nineteen nineties, which is the title that you said. Only the good die young. And like, uh -huh. and someone made like five thousand books ready for this day, like in the nineties, like with an entire <laughs> almanac of all of his war crimes. I was like, wow, that is very square based. For, the only sad thing, the, the only sad thing about this is that Jimmy Carter is going to have to get wheeled out of his hospice again uh, to uh, to attend it. Maybe I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, it's really important for everyone know. to know who's new is that me and Val have an alternative podcast with our friend Peter Colosimo, which is Bush Era Economics. Uh, <laughs> so you all might be like, what the hell are you two talking about? But I promise you, it's quite important for now. Uh, it's just been, Well, you know what? The, the saddest thing about the Bush administration is that wasn't even classy enough for Kissinger. So, I mean, that's... It's a few... It's, it's a Bush-like... 
<laughs> Bush League administration by comparison. I'm so happy Kissinger I got to tell you that. Plainly evil. I oh, mean, yeah. pardon? Yeah, I'm so happy yeah, I got no, to tell you big. that. That's, that's breaking. Maybe that's why I slept so deeply. <laughs> <laughs> Just the peace. Just descended upon you. Anyway, talking about psychology uh, and, and good vibes, uh, we're going to get to the old world almanac. Okay. Uh, yes. Get in the right headspace for morale and psychology. Uh, a battlefield. Uh, so we're now going to look at a new article, which is going to be very exciting. A battlefield, no matter what the average best of all might claim, is not a happy place to be in the old world. What with marauding bands of brickering orcs, frenzy chaos warriors, bear, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to skip that. Okay, so today mm -hmm. we're going to buckle up for our most ergonomic sabatons and make a, uh, make a break for freedom on our way to discuss how morale and psychology work in Warhammer, the old world. Morale. Last week, we discussed the nitty-gritty of combat, seeing what happens once the Spittlefleck Chaos Warrior crashes into the ever-so-slightly quivering spear you're holding. As you saw, it's quite rare for a round of melee to end in a draw, so where there's a loser, there are consequences. The first of these is a break test, a leadership role modified by how badly you lost the combat with three outcomes, break and flee, fall back in good order, and give ground. Oh, apologies about that. Um, so first, before before we continue, first of all, like this, this just reeks of, of like someone forgot that there was an old world article this week because like a week had snuck up on them, because they literally just copied from the last article and put it back into this one. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Like we had this this literal table was in the last last Warhammer community article. I mean, I'm sure there's hundreds of pages of rules to choose from in this very not uh simplified not simple game uh so come on guys come on guys give us I'm, something new i'm feeling very positive about this game uh, having played warhammer fantasy battle on the weekend there are so I many don't understand why why <laughs> why you would be positive about oh man warhammer eighth edition is shit but old world it'll be different <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because because I think I think quite rightly, like, uh, and this is a conversation for us to discuss when we talk about square based uh, GT. Okay. But like, um, many of these elements are very small, tiny changes, but that I think are really, really going to resonate on the tabletop. I was speaking to Pete about this at the weekend, and I was saying like, interactions create emotions. That's an important thing to remember, and Ooh. and if you can, and if you can. If you can change the core element of what some of those, the emotions those interactions create. And I think this is one of those really cool things where this is like, you have a really good leadership as an example. Yeah. Uh, so just for everyone to be clear. Uh, so there are basically, there are two tests that you take when you do, do a combat. Me and Val, we get into combat. His empire halberd is uh, because he finally got Briona's time warp off. Uh, finally, uh, they end up uh, killing my, well, wounding, winning a combat against my Soros warriors, and I lose by, let's say, three. Let's say I'm leadership nine, uh, as you can see here. Then I'll roll two I'll roll two sets of dice. One to see if I fail. Oh, is it one dice? I can't remember. Like, whichever. You either roll once or you roll twice. But I think you roll once. And then you look at what the modified result is. So do I beat the modified result, which is I've lost by three, so I need to beat a six or get lower than a six, sorry. Or do I just hit my normal leadership, which is a nine? And that's like a that's great, in my opinion, because it really does mean that the combat blocks that should stick around a little bit longer don't just fall to pieces because you made one bad roll. 
And that was one of those negatives that I took away from the weekend. I was like, oh, one bad roll and you lose a huge unit for no reason. But this is much more reliable. And I think that's really good. Yeah, I mean, basically, what, what was in what, one of the one of the boogeymen of eighth edition was something called steadfast. And steadfast basically made it so that um, you only, as long as you had more ranks than your opponent, you only you you always did your break test at the end of combat on 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 an unmodified leadership role. What's kind of interesting is that everyone has steadfast now. So, so at this point, basically, if you, if you do, if you pass your leadership check, at least on your, on, uh, like uh, on your, on your unmodified leadership, you're not going to get completely destroyed. Um, you're probably, so by the sound of how they set it up, it sounds like you get charged again. So there, you know, like your opponent will get charging bonuses and that sort of thing. Uh, but you don't just immediately evaporate into nothingness. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty cool. There's also um, there's also a bonus there as well in that winning the combat effectively pushes your opponent back, and that might be a bonus for you. Like like yeah. you you might be like I actually would like to be unengaged with my opponent. I think that that's really yes. good because tar pits are also a massive problem where being able to disengage, yes, being able to disengage is super good. So like that's what I mean. Like it's a very small change. But it, it really changes the concept of like, oh, I've just got 400 Skaven you have to chew through before you can get anywhere. And you're like, actually, my unit's really good at taking out elite units, but not very good at taking out yours. It's always going to win the combat. But, you know, so there's a there's really that's a really good change. Really positive. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I, I Yes, I, I agree. And I, and I didn't mean to bring you down into the muck. And no, I'm glad, it's okay. I'm glad you're excited. It's okay. I was salty in many of those games because I was re-remembering all the things I hated about what I was about in the in some live. Might say, some might say potentially the, the saltiest. And <laughs> <laughs> but we no need to dwell on the past. We could do that. We could save that for, for a second car. We could we just hang out in a car and talk about our feelings another time. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the cold hard facts here, pal. Okay. In the first case, the losing unit turns and runs in the opposite direction from whatever caused it to flee. And whichever enemy unit had the stronger unit strength, if it was in multiple combat, they run 2d6 inches, pivoting only to avoid impassable terrain. And if any part of the fleeing unit crosses the battlefield edge, it's destroyed. If the enemy gives chase and rolls high enough on 2d6 to make contact, the fleeing unit is destroyed. And if they run through another enemy unit, they take additional wounds as they go. If they run through a friendly unit, however, they're safe, but that unit may now bear the brunt of the pursuer's charge. In short, try not to break and flee. And the other... <laughs> Do your best not to roll over your leadership. Yeah. Excellent. Try not to suck. Good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't roll sixes. <laughs> On the other hand, a unit that falls back in good order is bearing a hasty retreat, but they're not yet lost that fighting spirit. They can discard their lower of the two dice when they flee. Now, that's something we didn't know before, and I love that. And they automatically rally and reform at the end, ready to receive the charge for their pursuer or hit back the next turn, which is also nice. So you, there is definitely, I would say that the when you lost a combat and ran away, it was such a devastating blow. But it's much more... Like, I only run away on a D6 now, like in inches, in speed. So my opponent very much will be able to catch me, most likely. And then uh, I get to reform and, you know, like, reposition myself, which is also very positive as well. Well, what's also sort of interesting here is that it's not always a good thing for your opponent to, like, win combat. <laughs> Well, like, and by, like, and by that I mean, like, if 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 they fall back in good order and they're managing to fall back, 
uh, dropping their lower dice. You decide to like follow follow up. So what used to be an overrun move, essentially, uh, your opponent's rolling two d six, um, and you know they may come up short. So if you if so if I as the as the you know active player charge a unit, they fall back in good order. That unit gets away from me. Now I'm like sitting there ready to get punched in the jaw. So they, 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 because they're going to be reformed and ready to then charge back after they fell back in good order. Yeah, I, I like that personally. I know, like, it, you know, it, it does definitely feel more like a clashing of lines versus like the singular zero one outcome of like, you know, you failed your break test and run you down, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, so yeah, I, I mean, I personally like this. Also means I don't know if you've like uh, thought this through yet, but it also means you might be able to bully your opponent into a position. As an example, like you might be able to like go in, win a combat, push them back a certain distance, yeah, which opens up the enemy lines uh, for you to maybe like I know charge. If you have a flanking unit, you can maybe charge them easier the turn after. Um, I think there's some really fun stuff. Um, What's interesting too is like uh, in a second they're going to talk about fleeing through an enemy unit uh in which in which case that unit gets to beat them up on the way by which also makes me think of the fact that like if you got if you have a rear charge on on a unit that that you're in combat with um that the unit that falls back falls through that 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 rear charge unit um gets beat up on the way by but now is ready to charge that unit in the rear although i guess no they get to turn around too yeah uh, after, combat. yeah yeah that's true okay never mind um yeah, it's 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 very cool, and also like like we were saying before, uh, when we saw this last week, uh, it adds a, a a lot more dyna, dyna, dynamism. <laughs> I don't dynamism. know either. I've never known. Yeah, dynamicism. Yeah, That's what I like about my games. Dynamic mix. To the game, and this says that like, yeah, it's not it's not like Eunice teleporting and flying around and being able to touch every square inch of the board but what it does mean is that you know you're not having too massive because i think we are going to see big bricks of infantry again uh which i love but i know other people are upset about um you, you know you're going to see more of a, a like a push and pull rather than a just a stuck you know what i mean and then vanish uh when one side breaks yeah the, um, so the, that's really really cool uh, this is what I mean that like uh, I I think I fundamentally like Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Like otherwise I wouldn't have like you know once I first got into it picked it up and just moved on. Like you know I'd have moved on and be like this is this is outrageous. My problems with it were um, like little changes like this where I'm like I need someone to think up through this a bit more. Um, just being stuck sucks, and this is great. So I'm I'm a big fan of this. I do like beating them up on the way past, um, and I actually would say that I really adore. The movement phase of Warhammer Fantasy Battle. I do. Um, but it was very singular. Once lines were drawn, that's where you were, buddy. Um, you know, and like me and Adam were talking about, sometimes fairly plottable. And so it's quite nice to have something that's a little less plottable. Because sure, they run they run away D6. You're not guaranteed, even though you, you know, chase them on two D6, not guaranteed you're gonna catch them. You know, well, absolutely not. They're 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 by default, unless you're chasing them down with cavalry, they're by default going farther than you. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It also means that if you're the charger, um, you kind of want to make sure you you kind of want to don't count on being stuck in combat. Um, you kind of want to make sure that you're you are delivering a, a killing blow that you're not letting them um, fall back so that they can that they can hit you again in the next turn um, potentially.
Also good for units like cavalry where, you know, you charge in, you do your damage, you get your bonuses for charging, whatever they may be. You know, they <laughs> fall back and then they may elect to charge you because they're like, you know what, they're much weaker on the charge. But then if you do lose that combat, you are put pushed back and, and you've got the chance to charge again, depending all on the situations, you know, depending yeah. on if you elect to chase and stuff. Personally, I think they've added choice into a space where there previously wasn't choice and as we know, we love when they open up the design space. A lot of design space there, pal. <laughs> and it gives it gives it gives people, you know, like the design space there is is multi uh, is many fold. It can um, it can give um, maybe certain cavalry can instead of pursuing um, the guys that broke away, maybe you have a special rule that lets you charge into a different unit. Um, you know, maybe certain units um, get a bonus for falling back in good order. Um, that's where your open and closed uh, order might come in, in, in into effect as well in this part of the combat rest. Yeah, also, um, so yeah, there's, there's lots and lots and lots of opportunities here. Also gives you like bonuses, you know, units that are skirmishers. Maybe they move, you know, D6 plus a D3, you know, uh, light cavalry, same thing. You know, you've got, you do have space there and, and that's really important. Okay. My, my favorite thing that you pointed out there actually is just the fact that the the it it provides always the opportunity to disengage. So if you're if you're high quality fighting low quality, um, and you win, um, and this this includes like trying to tar pit a unit makes it much much harder because you go in knowing that you're going to lose combat. Odds are you're gonna you're gonna be falling out of combat in some form. Um, so uh, I think that's I think that's actually really really cool. It it, it provides the opportunity to not just be stuck agreed agreed okay on the other hand the unit falls back in good order still beating a haste retreat but they've not yet lost from the fight spirit they can discard the load of the two dice when they flee and they automatically rally in reform so we talked about that already giving ground mm -hmm. is the best result when losing combat the loser simply steps back two inches terrain permitting attempting to put some much needed space between them and the foe unless of course the winner chooses to follow up and press their advantage in which case combat continues next turn one of the things i like about that is a couple of different things some units will not have a choice in whether or not they're going to follow up and some units may have the inability to follow up for instance like if you have spears you might get like a wicked bonus for if you get charged but the yeah. follow to that is that you can't follow up like again we don't know for now but it gives like already there's decisions if you want to make them which is nice and then there are mechanics decisions which are forced upon you which is also really cool as well so love that personally I yeah think and the then the winner always has the opportunity to disengage basically uh so like if they break and flee that you can disengage if they fall back in good order you can disengage and if you push them back you can choose not to follow up and disengage so it's all it's all awesome it, i agree like I, i'm actually this is such a small change i know when you you said oh it's just the same thing from last week and i, I you know obviously it is this is so much better than I could have hoped for. If I'm 100% honest, I didn't quite know what they would do in this space. But, and also, you know, playing at the weekend really, really helped me solidify why those things are better, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it, it's cool to have eighth, eighth fresh in our minds. And this is also, uh, I think, gives credence to the idea that this is a new game. Um, it's, it, well, okay, so it's, it's still, and we'll see if we get to see a stat line. You know, that's, that, we're going to see what happens there it's it's fundamentally the same game but this is different than any previous edition as far as i know even 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 the third ed push ahead mechanic i don't think worked this way um you know what we saw in in um ancient battles didn't work this way either so 
I think that's that's pretty cool. It's not it's not just the same old same old. Um, we're actually seeing um, we're actually seeing uh, a new like them being creative and how they make the game more interesting. So that's awesome. Yeah, love that. Right then we got psychology. Um, okay, so all the classic psychology effects are back: fear, terror, stupidity, animosity, frenzy unbreakable stubborn and hatred while in previous games psychology was separate from the rest of the universal special rules it's all now found in one place in the core rulebook we'll be looking at other universal special rules in a future almanac but there's a time this week to see how a few of these work okay uh should, do you want to talk about what they used to be before we move on or do you want to uh well we can have a have a look so i guess um, in comparison, I don't know if they touch on this. Eighth edition was very different from uh, sixth edition and seventh edition. Or psycho- this is actually a common Warhammer problem, um, which is that psychology is is kind of a. I think it's like an important wargaming mechanic and always kind of has been. Whether you're looking at historicals and things like that, um, but it's either. S- so important that it almost feels non-interactive because a lot of the time psychology is well it's an abstraction and it's a it's a unit reacting to another unit without being in a fight with them um or it's something um you know in hate innate to them like animosity and frenzy that kind of comes out of nowhere and and stops you from being able to use it um so it can sort of sometimes feel like it's too much where you don't have enough agency and control over your army or um, it can be kind of like a superfluous rule where it's it's been reduced in impact so much that it doesn't really do much. The second tier is kind of what you see in 8th edition. Uh, in 8th edition in fantasy, which I'm much more comfortable talking about, you had uh, a fear rule, which was essentially a penalty to, uh, to the weapon skill if you failed it. Uh, terror was was similar uh and uh but but at least could stop people from from charging you or you uh, or make you make them run away if you charge them which i <clears throat> totally forgot that steam tanks have terror damn it um but things like that like for example i had i had terror on one of my most important units in the, in the tournament didn't make use of it once because of another factor which is in the eighth edition but tons of units that are immune to psychology you had, and then also you had um, Inspiring Presence, which which allows anyone within 12 or 18, depending of the general, to use the general's leadership, which is usually very high. And you had um, the, the, the Battle Standard Bearer, which in 8th edition, unlike previous ones, allows you to reroll any leadership check. So essentially, psychology hinges on the leadership value, and you had, in every single army on the table, just sort of innate ways to buff leadership. And then... On top of that, you know, it's like undead, demons, um, most elite troops are going to be immune to psychology, so it didn't really factor in heavily. If you go a little bit further back into 6th and 7th, uh, and I, I've seen some other commentators talk about this who know a little bit more about it, um, you had things like um, uh, just being near a terror-causing um, model might force a, a terror or a fear check. Um, and you had situations where, you know, you could just like fear and terror bomb an army and just make it run off the field, which also doesn't feel very good. No. So nailing this bat, n- nailing this balance is, is, is kind of important because it is such a, it's just a very flavorful thing. Um, but it can the the sort of how much, uh, you, they, they put into it will, will really, you know, d- depend on how much of an impact it actually winds up having on the game. 
Um, so I'm excited. I, lo I love I love psychology rules because really they're from their design perspective. When you look at AOS, AOS was the first one to really kind of get rid of uh, a lot of the psychology and go to um, they have help me. Battleshock. What's the, what is the name? Battleshock. Yeah, Battleshock. So it's more of an abstraction. You just remove models off the table like they used to do in eighth uh, 40k, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So instead of you don't really have breaking and fleeing troops, you have just like guys who like, you know, cower and they, they're removed from the battlefield. And that's how it's represented. Um, and again, I'm not sure how much of an impact it's ever really had on the game. So and then in actually, 40K, that's, 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 that's an interesting one, actually. Like, I think the, the Battleshock phase and also the morale phase in 40K, which I'm sure you're going to go on to, not to cut you off, uh -huh. apologies, is um, no. like, but yeah, that has been a really interesting design space for the entire the entire of its existence. It has varied to wildly impactful to almost nothing almost yeah. nothing burgers uh the current edition we're in they have a lot of special rules that are messing around with it like you have like a, a, a you know a generic ability that everyone's got access to that you can make one unit to ignore battleshock but there are spells and also you know uh big monsters like gargants they now make it they have a terror rule so you can never use inspiring presence which is uh the age of sigmar ability to ignore battleshock uh yeah. you can't use it when you're near them uh, which is so they have these they've you know they've added rules in and then they've added counter rules in and that's kind of that's kind of been like a, you know a bit of chalk and cheese sometimes it's worked sometimes it hasn't worked um, but it definitely makes the game quite interesting you know you go into some matchups being like cool you know that unit's going to get slammed but I'm going to inspire and presence going to be fine but they've just turned up with an endless spell that stops that and you're like okay things are very different now. Uh, yeah. So, like, that's quite interesting. I, do, I definitely, when you were describing the, the psychology mechanics, I definitely don't want it to be the, I terror bomb an army off. However, right. I do love the idea of you running an all-terror-based army and, you know, instead of just being my numbers are higher than your numbers, you know, my strength is higher, my armor's higher, I'm better generally. So that's normally been the issue with elves. And also they have high leadership as well. So obviously like they're perfect in every way. Uh, like I do love the concept that you can run a terror army and your army can, you know, really debilitate your opponent with terror. Maybe not make them all run off the board, but then debuff armies are generally unpopular anyway, because anything that's like a blue magic deck where I can't play with my toys, you know, yeah, I, talked for, to, yeah. I talked about this a lot of the weekend. Interactivity has to be a core mechanic in every game because that produces fun. Uh, yes. And it was, what was it? Interaction leads to emotion. Interactive uh, interaction does lead to emotion. Uh, yes. A positive emotion normally. Sorry. I'm just adding that to our, 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 our tasks. Interaction leads to emotion t-shirt. I, <laughs> I think it's a fabulous, I think that's a fabulous statement. Um, yeah. And I, the, the other thing is too, is with, with what I was saying about eighth edition, how you were able to mitigate leadership really easily. They, they it was a classic GW. They, nerfed the impact of psychology and then buffed the ability to deal with psychology. So we haven't seen the other half of this, and we're going to actually talk about it in a second, but we have yet to see the other half, which is they have now added some more teeth to psychology, which is awesome. I'm hoping that implies that a lot of the buffs to mitigating, mitigating psychology have stayed in the game so that we see a powerful BSB and a real, you know, the, and, and the ability to use, um, your general's leadership in, in a bubble. I hope those things stay uh, because that allows you to mitigate. And like you say, creates design space around 
interfering with those two things. Um, you know, preventing you know those those aura buffs from being able to be used gives opportunity to to other um, uh, uh, you know armies to have those you know artifacts or or unit abilities or whatever. So. The one, anyway. the, the one thing I will say about psychology, well, sorry, in the more modern games, like 40K and Age of Sigmar, that I found to be detrimental is that, like, uh, normally, like, th those sorts of abilities affect, like, uh, I guess, worse armies. So goblins are a good example. Like, you know, their strength is low, their toughness is low, and most importantly, their leadership is low, as it should be because they're a bunch of gibbering goblins, right? You know, as an example, they don't have a lot of cohesion versus, I don't know, some stouty dwarfs. This does yep. mean, though, that all of those effects are much more prevalent and work so much better on those units. And those units are already against the odds. They already have less attacks. Their strength is lower. You know, like all of those elements are already worse for this army anyway. They're more likely to fail break checks, all those other things. So, And that's also been something that's common, been common, in my opinion, in Age Sigma. something that's been common, uh, not quite as common in 40K because they haven't necessarily got like, you are the worst leadership army. But in some cases... There's been some armies that do it. Um, so do you know what I mean? Like, like it, instinctively, it, like everything that affects a stat is always benefits an elf and always fucks a goblin. Like, <laughs> like, like, do you know what I mean? That's all. There's, yeah. there, there is literally no situation where it's been the other way around. Like, there's no bonus for having more dudes. So I, I yeah. agree. I agree with you 100. I'd like to see it be more impactful, but just conscious that it really only ever affects the worst in society and not those fucking elves my my other question would be i wonder if the fallback in good order thing will will it would be interesting to me if they have the modified unmodified thing going on here whereas if you blow through the 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 sort of failed check um or like maybe if you fail a fear check versus a terror check maybe if you fail a fear check it's a fallback in good order type of situation versus, you know, just running for your life. Uh, it'd be cool if they actually take, you know, that that neat new level in, in combat and 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 apply it here. Because we also haven't heard about panic, which is cool. Because um, fear of terror, stupidity, animosity, frenzy, unbreakable, stubborn. These are all special rules rather than a core mechanic like panic. So anyway, let's 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 go down and see what we got. Sure. Uh, you Another just great little piece of artwork, by the way. Lots of. They're really bringing out the hits for these articles. I'm kind of in a really tough place at the moment. I cannot stop thinking about units that I saw at the weekend. They're great. Like, the art is great. And while I'm not a huge fan of some of the older sculpts, I was at the time. Obviously, times have moved on. Dude, they are evocative. Evocative. Okay, the witch hunter model that's kind of designed similar to that one is he was in my army, and he's... He's badass and so He's stunning. saucy looking. He's yeah. stunning. He's stunning. Um, okay. Unit scores in fear, for instance, will have enemies uh, quicken their boots. If an enemy has uh, with lower... Um, if an enemy with lower unit strength wishes to charge a fear-causing um, unit... Um, um, unit strength? Unit strength. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, because this unit strength has been something they've mentioned already, right? No. This is the first allusion no, to not, unit strength. That's not true. That's not true. When? When have they mentioned unit strength? Okay. Uh, in first case, a losing unit turns and runs in the opposite direction from whatever caused it to flee, and whichever enemy unit had the stronger unit strength if it was oh, okay. in multiple combat. My okay. mistake. Sorry, I missed it earlier in this article. Uh, no but I don't think previous. I don't think previous to this article, though, is what I meant. 
Oh no, I don't. I agree. We with can you. both be right. Yeah, let's uh, listen. I'm not. Listen, you can be right. I'm. I'm happy. I'm just saying it's in here. Yeah. Um, All right, fine. One nothing. One nothing. Val. <laughs> One nothing. Val. <laughs> I think you've already probably been right multiple times on this show. So let's not do that. Right. If you're enemy... right, I might have been right once or twice on the show. <laughs> Together, we'll get there. If an enemy unit with lower strength wishes to charge as a fear-causing unit, it must first take a leadership test or its charge will fail. Already in combat with a scary regiment of skeleton warriors, take a leadership test uh, each round or suffer minus one to hit. So unit uh, unit strength, we don't think means the strength, i.e. strength three of a model. We think it means something a little bit more than that. There's some sort of cumulative unit strength of a unit. So unit strength, I think, oh crap, I'm going to do that thing where I talk about 6th and 7th. I'm pretty, well, in WAP too. Uh, so uh, the the most recent version of WAP, WAP brought back unit, <laughs> WAP for life, for life, brought back unit strength. <laughs> so we'll be we'll see how it goes. In WAP, that's the only place where I would have actually read this rule, and it's off the top of my head, let's say a regular infantry model might have like a unit strength of 1, and then you would multiply the total amount of infantry models in that unit by your unit strength number. So if you had 30 guys, your unit strength is 30. Eh? And then let's say monstrous infantry might have a unit strength of five. So if you had six monstrous infantry, you've got a unit strength of 30. Even though there's fewer models, you still have a big unit strength, I think is how it works. Uh, of course, they don't define what unit strength means in this case. So it could have nothing to do with the version I just made up or what it actually has been in six and what <laughs> For life. Um, but something like that. Essentially, it's it's to to, to differentiate between uh, a bunch of low quality infantry, uh, which should still have mass. Think of it. Yeah, it's more like it's kind of like the in in total where you have the mass rating. So like how heavy your unit is. Mm. I think that's kind of a good way to conceptualize how it's generally been used. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes it makes much more sense that thirty dudes don't mind charging a monster versus you know five dudes. Uh, like so, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, terror and vice versa. Five dudes, five dudes charging thirty. Man, it might be a little bit more overwhelming too, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, terror is even worse. If you're charged by a beast with this effect, you have to take a leadership test just to be able to declare a charge reaction. If you fail, you flee, and that's before any dice are rolled to see if the charge succeeds. Terror also applies an extra minus one penalty to opposing units' leadership characteristic when taking break tests. And now that is huge, making is a break, making a break and flee outcome that much more likely. That's really big. Dear Warcom, it actually makes it no more likely because you only break and flee when you fail on your unmodified leadership. <laughs> um, <clears throat> dear dear Warcom, so wait, hold on. Rob one, Val one, Warcom zero. Big, big donut for Warcom, <laughs> and they cheated on their homework. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, one thing, actually, uh, there's something mentioned there very offhandly, which was skeletons. Um, and yep. the reason why I want to point out skeletons. Uh, is just like uh, there were certain armies, skeletons and demons off the top of my head, so undead and demons off the top of my head, that didn't um, resolve from combat the way any other armies did. Crumble. So they, they crumbled. Um, and so basically crumble was you would lose models for each point that you lost your, your, your leadership check from by. Mm. Um, the idea being that, you know, like they're the, they're crumbling. I don't know how else to say it. Or they're returning into the... What is it? Man, whoa, whoa. In the old, in, in the old world, in 40K, a demon comes from the warp. Is yeah. the Immaterium? Is it? Uh, no, there's a realm. That sounds no, there's, like 40K. No, there's a realm of chaos. That's where the that's where the, the tear in the north goes into the realm of chaos. 
So they, it's they go a book they, called the realm of chaos. That's a fair point. Okay, so they go back to the realm of chaos. The, the, they, they just vanish back into magic air. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would never um, fall back and flee from combat. You had to kill them, kill, kill them all the way down. So what does that mean for for um, you know uh, falling back in good order and pushbacks? Can you push back an undead unit? I reckon it would be the same oh. situation where you push them back. Um, but like, get off me, skeleton! Yeah, get, get off me! Oh, you make me feel yeah. And there might be some units that are unpushbackable because they're sticky, or something. Ogres? Like. That feels like a good ogre ogre rule. You can't push back ogres because they're just so chonky. That's fun. Or may, and mm-hmm. there might be like a size thing as well. Maybe like smaller units can't push back bigger units. Maybe a monster pushes you back four inches, not two inches. Maybe what did they say about unit strength? Uh, in the in the pushback section, oh, we're it, all no, over no, the place. It, no, 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 it it just says that you you run away from the highest unit strength model mm. when you do when you do break. All right, word. So anyway, uh, there's there's so much design space. It's great. Oh uh, my I'm god! Curious. Just tapping. Because, because, there's a meme. Uh, <laughs> there's a Squarebase fans just get a meme picture of Val just tapping a big red book. There's you can fit so much design space in this bad boy. Yeah, you could so. just have a square on a T-shirt design space in the square, huh? Yeah. Ah, ah, little on the nose, little on the nose. Tom is, <laughs> if he was having a nap, he just bolted up from bed. <laughs> the opposite of you this morning. Just pe- why am I? Why am I so peacefully asleep? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, sorry for dragging us back into the muck, but uh, let's go look at this, this Shagath. Chaga. Okay, so there's a dragon Uga Shagoth here, um, uh, and it does it tells you all of its special rules. It's got armor bane, obviously. We don't know what that is yet, but that's fun. Not yet. Uh, armor armored hide. We don't know what that is, we, but I assume that's scaly skin. Yeah. Yep. Uh, clothes, scaly skin is scaly skin is your basically it's your it's your initial armor save, and then you add so like you add uh, you add more armor. So you add light armor, that's plus one. You add heavy armor, that's plus two. You add a shield, it's another plus one. Uh, mm-hmm. You add a, a horse or a mount, that's plus one. Um, you add barding to that mount, that's plus one. So it's all about like adding those up. But that means he starts at a five plus. It's like his innate, is, is if you, yeah, it's your innate armor, the scaly skin. Yeah. 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 Uh, closed order, uh, ensorcelled weapons, immune psychology, which is exactly what you talked about earlier, which is good. Uh, large target. Uh, so that's going to be probably, uh, he's very visible to shooting, I would suggest. Large target in eighth was basically a nothing burger. All yeah, it really it, it did was, was yeah, it kind of it, ext- it was only a benefit. I think it all it really did was um, extend the range of your of your if you if your dragon ogre was your your general, it would exchange the range of extend the range of his bubble to eighteen. In previous editions, though, large target was a problem, so it would uh, make uh, shooting them easier. Um, and I'm making things up again, so we'll move on. All I know is that large target used to have a bunch of rules because people who play sixth edition always try and bullshit on me when I have large targets. And I'm always like, not in this edition, buddy. <laughs> then you've got stomp attacks, which is something you would do at the end of combat, um, which is D3 plus one, which is a change. Can we give for a monsters. round? Huh? Can we give a round of applause? Because we're seeing D3s getting used. Oh, you're happy and with that. And D3, oh, yes, because the variance on a D3 is this much. D6 is this much. So like, so a D3 plus one stomp attack sounds like, oh, it's four stomp attacks. It used to be D6. That means I'm, I'm getting two less stomps. No, you're not. You're getting three more stomps <laughs> because you're only rolling one. That's all you're ever rolling on impact hits, on stomps. You're never rolling six. You're always rolling one. 
And uh, if if we uh, and I'm gonna love to see if like if the bigger the the the, the monster, maybe we'll see two D three or like D three plus a bigger guarantee. Yeah, like the Shagoth isn't particularly, or the miniature at least isn't like he's uh, badass. Yeah, he's uh, not. Well, the what the current Dragon Ogre Shagoth? Well, I mean, he's I mean he's bad. Was did I speak wrong? You don't like him? When I got into Warhammer Fantasy Battle, I was like, what is this? like and that was okay. a decade ago so i have actually i have your literally your dragon ogre shagath and he survived the cull because i liked him so much so there Ugh. he is safe in my hands Ugh. okay fine <laughs> also he was a also, i think why i liked him is because he, he's clearly it used to be a flat pack model like he used to be um he, he's one he's one of the models where they got clever with like um putting one together spring. components yeah I don't even think he was a sprue. I think he was. A, I think he must have been metal to start with, the way he's built. But anyway, okay. So, okay, uh, so maybe it's got, not a great model. I'm just off the top of my head here. Uh, I mean, there are some great Dragon Ogre models out there. Uh, Stormcaller. Yes, there are. Uh, there's Stormcall, Terra, and then the Quickening Storm. And Terra's obviously theirs. I don't think Stormcall and the Quickening Storm will obviously be Dragon Ogre Shagoth special rules because they're like lightning dragons, basically, uh, which is fun. And then we have we have ourselves the stat line. Movement yes, seven, weapon skill six, ballistic skill two, strength six, toughness five, six wounds, which is beefy, initiative four, five attacks, and leadership nine. So uh, quite a beefy here's an, dude. Here's an interesting question, Rob. How yeah. different is that stat line to how he was when he last appeared in 8th edition? Oh, I actually, oh, I don't know if I've ever known that. I would say he's got more wounds. That's what I thought too. Incorrect. He just has one pip less ballistic skill. That's is that it. true? That is an all near identical stat line. Um, That's exciting. What's interesting to me is when I looked at this, when I looked at the stat line, I thought, oh my God, they jacked up the wounds. They jacked up the attacks. Apparently not. Apparently Dragon Ogre Shaggoth already was kind of juiced up in those from those perspectives. So this to me doesn't really answer the question. Will like a, a, a human hero, you know, maybe get a little bit more wounds? Will it maybe get a little bit more attacks? Or are we just going to see a port over with some tweaks and and you know the the relative power levels of the unit stays the same um i don't okay, mind so, that all right okay so it's kind of interesting so do you want like a you know human general let's say mm -hmm. like so i was playing at the weekend i had a skink priest i had a bsb a scarvet yeah. bsb and he had yeah. two wounds two wounds and that felt rough not good i was <laughs> like yeah i was like Rrr. like literally anything would attack him i'm like he's dead um, especially especially coming from like a 40k i don't know what it like got like what it's like an aos but 40k like that guy would have 75 wins like <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just got, it was like jar it was yeah with with like three different layers of armor save like Unless he was it, an orc. it was <laughs> yeah in which case f you bud um <laughs> it was jarring for me to start playing fantasy because um things just didn't have a ton of wounds and they didn't have a ton of attacks um, so if they, um, but as a result, I kind of feel like I hate using the word balance, Rob. I hate using the word balance, but it, it, it felt like the game was built around, uh, toughness three. And, and so things relative to toughness, three feel right. For example, a skink is toughness two. It's pretty, you know, sad. that's, that's, it's pretty sad, but you don't see a lot of toughness two in previous versions of, of 40 K for example. 
Toughness no. two almost didn't happen. You you only ever saw as low as toughness three for the most part. Mm. Um, so like they still they they made use of um sort of toughness two all the way up to like you'd see toughness six, sometimes seven, rarely eight, unless you know you had a juiced up Fred Sorian. Um, you know, like so like that the sort of the range of of toughness was pretty narrow. Uh, and wounds were were fairly low and attacks were fairly low. Like my my human hero with um uh you know i think would have like three attacks uh which is a anemic amount of attacks so that's kind of cool i feel like i feel like because may maybe they they just kept that because uh it was already feeling pretty pretty good with how you know the relative strength of everything was yeah i think i think i agree with you i think like being able to um uh being able to like uh have the numbers be slightly lower like makes the higher numbers slightly more impactful and i'm sure actually someone could actually review this and you know the difference in a game meted uh, around tough th three versus tough four because obviously the upper end of a d6 is you know like you're now pushing towards the upper end of a t6 so it's actually tougher to make the more impactful stuff more impactful because you've already narrowed the top end uh, mm -hmm. And having it a tough three uh, opens up the top end as well, which is which is good. Um, so I think that's a, a, a really interesting kind of conversation that's as well. I agree with you there. Um, and uh, if I could do one last speculation, which I love about this. So this is speculation, but Dragon Ogre Shaggoth, Warriors of Chaos, not Beastmen, or maybe both? I don't know. I don't know where they come from. They come from Warriors of Chaos, right? Uh, yes, but the, I think they'll. I think well, in Age of Sigmar, well, they're in, they are they're in the Beastman range. They could be. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there were some very famous Dragon Ogre Shagoths, uh, Colex Sun Eater, as an example, who never got a model. Uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a little nod towards a, a Colex model uh, coming out for Warriors of Chaos because that would be a fun thing. But um, I think uh, do they talk about? I think go on. Uh, no, I, I think there were. Well, anyway, the they were they were I, in warriors. They were in warriors of chaos. The only reason why I bring this up is that this is likely a data, like a data slate or a uh, what do they call battle scroll in, in AOS, a unit profile from an index. This is a an example probably of a vanilla profile, and this vanilla profile has eleven special rules, and at least two of them are likely specific to this unit. Storm call and the quickening and the quickening storm are both unit special rules. So that is really exciting. Yeah, I, that I, is really 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 I said, exciting. I said this on the show earlier before we start recording and very simply at release in my opinion each one of the books will have the same volume of input put into it and worked upon. I think that we will get the the core factions as they've described and also our pdf factions as they've described and they will be complete equity in work put into them and uh how and i don't think when we see the expansions for those like the tomb king's book and the bretonian book i don't think those are good i think they're going to be more of an expansion versus the difference you get in agency moral 40k where it's like from an index to a big book i don't think that's going to be what happens yeah, you get you get uh, maybe a couple new units, but you also get you know beautiful art. You get uh, expanded lore. You get um, you know, who knows what else. What, what the point I'm making here is, if Drag that is as much as Dragon the Dragon Ogre, Ogre Shaggoth had in his army book in the previous edition, that's that means that like we aren't losing a thing. We're we're starting with a complete game, um, which is 
so cool. Like, and, and that also means that everyone, please stop saying legends, everyone who's in a non-core faction or in, you know, someone who's going to get PDF rules, because this comes up constantly, like people who are bummed about vampire counts, valid, Skaven, okay. super okay. valid. Those armies, if they have if they have unit entries like this, which I have to think they will in those PDFs, that means you're getting them for free and you're getting more new models than anything that that old world armies in the core factions get. <laughs> so that's pretty sick. Uh, I like it. Just this just gives me mega pumped. Can we uh, can we call them core factions and renegade factions? That way we've we put a positive spin on it. Legends isn't the same. Yeah, like, and then it, when we do the stats for Old World in the future, we can, we you know, break the game down into core factions, renegade factions, if you want, you know. Like a ravening horde faction? I'm surprised we haven't seen them use the, the ravening hordes term. Um, but yeah, like, uh, sure. Just, uh, it's not legend, although you did put the voodoo out in, in the world because you were worried about uh, chaos dwarves just getting actually legended and like never, never actually supported. And I was like, Ricky Bobby, why are you doing that? <laughs> Don't uh, do it, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> if you're not last, uh, you're, you're not first, you're last, Ricky Bobby. Exactly. So anyway, that's, uh, I, I just, that that was one of the things I really wanted to see. I wanted to see an example of the unit profile just to see how beefy is it? Does it have flavor? You know, do they have they sprinkled spice and pepper on things? Or do you just, for generic models that don't have army books yet, do you just get a stat line, which is kind of what Ravening Hordes was? No. We get tons of special rules. We get unique special rules. And it looks like we're getting a, a very close to a straight port over from previous editions, which will make things very easy to slide into. Um, super, super, super excited by that little hint. Oh, well, okay, so let's move on. Uh, and then we've got, uh, finally, we could touch on Frenzy. This gives a model unit an extra attack and also immunity from fear and terror. Frenzy unit, however, must always charge if able to and can never choose to flee from a charge. Uh, and here we see a dark uh, magic spell, Battle Lust. Uh, so this will be from Dark Elves, I think, if it's dark magic. And it's an dark dark, Go on. Oh, no, dark magic could be... Uh, I can't remember if we saw dark magic before and i think we assumed it was yeah dark, i think dark magic <laughs> it was dark elves previously i think it was called dark magic uh dark high magic and dark magic sure yeah okay okay it could uh, just be mean bad guy magic like there's battle we've seen battle magic uh and i think we've seen a dark magic spell remember there was a lame vortex in the uh in oh, the shooting yeah. in the shooting article i think it's so dark it, elves i'm gonna throw it in there dark elves can definitely maybe use it i mean they are uh they are dark uh, they are mean. <laughs> it's in the name. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Thank you to Vulcan. Um, yeah, it's bad, it's bad, certainly bad guy magic, yeah. Okay. So it's an enhancement spell, but it's cast on a nine, pretty high, range of 12 inches. Until the end of this turn, the target uh, the target friendly unit gains the frenzy and a hatred all enemy special rule, which is plus one attack and re-rolls to hit. If it's like it was in the past. Pretty, pretty dope. That's um, why it's a nine. That's why it's a, yeah. This is the highest casting value we've seen. I'm pretty sure. Um, so this is an unit, idea. This is a blending like spell. This is plus one attack on a profile, which is huge, and then this is rerolls to hit, which is huge, huge, big, 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 double big. Yeah, what's that called? Double buff. Double big. That's uh, <laughs> blended. Blended, isn't it? Um, the uh, thing about frenzy here that I've seen pointed out by others, not not myself. Uh, and again, this is probably just a Warcom, Warcom uh, oversight, I hope, is that normally frenzied units were able to 
oh, I want to fight them. But they could test to restrain themselves. They could look inwardly. They could self-reflect and not have to charge mm. by passing a leadership check. Um, that is not stated here. This is just you got to you got it's, I think it's all stick. breaks, no gas. I mean, I all gas, will, no breaks. Yeah, I think this will stick in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Or just, just like, yeah, they're not they're not giving us extreme detail. But um, yeah. certainly the, uh, one of the first good magic spells we've seen. And, um, yeah, that, that would be a really good buff. And uh, look at what's coming next week. Magic. Magic, magic. magic. Tell me uh, hmm. what you're excited about when with magic. What do you want to know? Is there anything that you're like, that is outstanding? I would like to... I'd like to I think we know that... We're pretty certain it's just going to be 2d6 versus... 2d6 i want to cast that nine cast spell that we just looked at i roll two dice you roll two dice if i beat it and you don't beat me then i get it are we adding wizard levels to it i think so feels feels like it otherwise like even a seven is pretty unlikely right like um i mean not unlikely it's just you know that's that's like a 50 50 shot right um so uh yeah i think I'm, i'm feeling like 2d6 plus the wizard level and then maybe some extra spice in there um, certainly no resource pool to manage, which is a minor bummer. It's fine. Um, I, I like um, I, mostly what I'm interested in. I want to see how many spells are available. So like does each uh, school of magic basically get one thing for each phase? That kind of I, I, that kind of feels like maybe where it's going. So that like, you know, battle magic has a movement spell. It has a combat spell. It has a magic missile spell, you know, has all of those. And then I'd be curious, there are four phases, places, there are four times you can cast a spell. Does perhaps your wizard level dictate how many spells you can cast in a game? Uh, like in a turn, so like as a level four wizard, are they able to cast once per phase? Uh, or, you know, is there a limit on, you know, once per turn or like, a, you know, whatever it might be? I'm very, I'm th- that's kind of where I'm curious is the mechanics of when when these things fit in and how much you can use it. Yeah, I, I think there's, like you've said, that there's so much space in there. Like being able to be like, as an example, if you can only cast a spell per phase, um, but, you know, you could add your wizard level, then that level four caster becomes more consistently effective over the course of, um, you know, a turn. But in addition, mm-hmm. you know, if you're talking about slans, slans maybe can cast two spells in a phase because they're just such dope wizards so like right. you know you've got you've got the opportunity to move stuff out like i think that will genuinely be very interesting i will say that another like, like another just fantastic change is that we are not getting their eighth edition magic system like that just is a fact like a little bit of a like you know pour one out for your homies right i get it but like and maybe it would be okay if they'd have got rid of those debilitatingly stupid spells, uh, but I think this actually adds a little bit more decision making along to along lines and turns, and I think that's a positive. Um, you get a little bit more interaction across turns as well. We're moving into combat now. Like yeah, I've done the move. I've done the charge. I've got the wizard in. I'm ready. Yeah, mm-hmm. but now's the time for me to get the spell off that's really going to bump this up. That's a that's a moment where you roll to do a thing, I roll to stop the thing, and we're out of place. It's kind of fun. Like It's kind of fun. There's some stuff happening there, which is cool. So emotionally, I'm really pleased that we, we like, I had, uh, you know, well, that, that we ran the tournament, and I've had my farewell to 8th edition Magic. Actually, I kind of want to do a Storm of Magic game like uh, basically a fantasy apocalypse before it's done. Maybe Eric, maybe Eric will hang out with me and we'll do a really big game. Who knows? 
or any number of people. Basically, I, I, I just I love I, I do I do love the 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 magic mini game, but the problem with it is is it's a mini game. And this isn't supposed to be a game about your magic phase. It's supposed to be a game about a big old battle. Mm. So whereas before magic literally stood apart, now it's integrated in. It's much quicker. I suspect you'll have less choice. With less choice comes less analysis paralysis. It's going to be more of a question of this guy's got a uh, buffing movement spell. I'm going to use it or like I'm going to use it. That's it. You don't have to manage a resource. You don't have to hum and haw over how many dice you want to commit to it. Um, there's 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 none of that. So that actually, I think, is going to really speed up the game. Like as much as I love that magic phase, holy hell, could it take a long time because you're making very consequential math heavy choices um and it's it's like that i think that's why i love the the eighth edition magic phase is that it really was meaty like it there, there was a lot of back and forth and it's a bit of a shell game and yes you can do six dice it but uh a lot <laughs> of times don't come for me bro i'm your friend <laughs> I'm, yeah well you you're you're my friend but i love the magic phase um and uh i love you so i'm torn because i know that i know that the two things cannot exist together <laughs> well one's uh, going so, so one is I'm going saying. and rob for life so yeah so what i'm saying here is that like although emotionally i really really liked the way magic used to work rationally i can see why this will be such an improvement for the game from a player enjoyment perspective for a lot of people from a uh from a uh and also just from a pace i really think that's rather than just you know you you've you, you do the charge phase. Yeah, you do all your movement. Yeah, everyone stop what they're doing. Let's 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 uh, let's get out our abacus. Let's roll our our our, uh, our winds of magic dice and then think for five minutes about how to allocate four dice. Um, you know that's kind of like magic. The magic phase, although I loved it, would bring the game to a screeching halt. And one way or another, the the game state coming out of that magic phase. It's going to be a lot different than what you imagined it would be in the in the movement phase. So that's both the failure of those massive spells or the success of those massive spells. It was just this jarring shift to both the pace and the game state, and now it's gone. And that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I I think uh, I I well no I know I agree with you a hundred percent, and so I'm very much looking forward to that. I think Dare I say good. I agree with you, Rob? Oh wow! <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I hope you were sitting down. <laughs> I am, thank God. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, no, I think I think so many of these changes seem like incrementally very, very good. Like, and that's what's nice because I think Warhammer Fantasy Battle, having played it just this weekend, gone has got so many core positive things. I think like the the Aegising Mar movement and the Forty K movement moving on. I think those are those are very good. I think we're, they're moving and trending towards better games in the future. I think 40K has lost its way. It needs to add some flavor back. Um, but like the thing that gives me a lot of positive from the article we've just read is that Dragon Ogre Shagoth profile. Armor Bane, Armored Hide, you know, close order. All, those universal special rules are so easy. I'm like, I've got scaly skin. Everyone's like, I know what that means. That's good. Yeah, I've got an Armored Hide. That's great. I know what that does. Yeah. Yep. It also adds a little bit of weight to a rule. Like when someone's like, I've got scaly skin, you're like, oh, I can picture it. Oh, scaly skin. Ooh, light yeah, armor. they're evocative. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, they're, yeah. yeah, they're evocative. And it's I not want... just an. Yeah, I never, actually, this is cool. Because you, um, 
you often will talk about how like 40k is just my number versus your number right oh. and like how that's kind of lame um you always do a mocking that, tone when you speak like me fyi like, no <laughs> just just when it's something i disagree with okay, okay. i only okay. belittle you when i disagree with you i reward you with praise when i agree with I you see i'm just i'm just a very bad friend um the <laughs> And I'll try and not do that anymore. Now I'm scared. No, do it. Um, do it. The... It's fine. <laughs> Keep going. Um, but no, what I was saying is, is quite legitimately is that like when it's armor bane too, rather yeah. than like you know what I mean, like it that that gives you that it gives that number some some force behind it. I think was what you were saying. So like yeah, I've never, like, I've never connected. As, that. Yeah, as, cool. as a good example, like uh, when I played against dwarfs and when I played against wood elves, shout out to Dustin, absolute fuck, eleven out of ten human being. Like when I played against Dusty, like I walk up and I'm like, I see you've got cannons. He's like, yeah, I'm like because my model was ethereal. He's like, but they're magical cannons, and I was like, fuck. And then every time he was shooting me, I was picturing a magical cannonball. Same with Dusty. Dusty had magical poisoned arrows. So in my head, they were green and blue. You know, they were like streaking yeah. blue, but they were green. And it was such an easy rule to add. And I mentally understood what it would do mechanically. I like, and so those universal special rules, I think actually, like, again, I quite like going back to Warhammer Fantasy Battle from the weekend because now it's making me reevaluate the current games. And I do think the current games, Age of Sigmar 40K, have got so many positive improvements um, interaction with terrain is a big one. Those movement trays uh, do not work well into terrain, no matter how much you magnetize, buddy. Like we probably won't agree there. Um, no, but, like, no, it's one hundred percent. No matter, no matter how, how magnetized your tray, your tray is, if you move into a forest, that forest needs to be able to not be there. Like you have to be able to like pick the trees up and move them. Um, you know, like one hundred percent. You know, and yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. it, it just it becomes hard. Yes. Yeah, 100%. But, like, there are also loads of positives as well. And for replicating, like, a war, like, a war looks pretty cool, like, legitimately. So I think it's going to be a really nice change of pace for a lot of people who already play Warhammer, a lot of nice change of pace for people who or, or like want to play other war games and jump in between, and also establish yourself as its own thing. You know, 40K and mm -hmm. HCMR are similar. I think HCMR is better, and I think that's good. And also, I would love to this game to have been, now that the magic phase is gone, this game easily could have been a unit by unit activation game, right? Which easily. is easily. easily. I was actually, I was actually pondering, like, I don't, I, I mean, I will never do this because I, I, I enjoy like, play, I, like, I don't mind comp and making modifications, but like, I think, I think you could easily see a fan-based version where it, it is just, I go, you go. Sorry. It's, it's not, I go, you go. The other one, yeah, uh, yeah. alternating activations. I go, you go kind of feels like that's a, could also mean, alternating activations now that i think about it yeah it does um, <laughs> um uh, on the magic phase point too i would just uh, to delve back to that uh what is the interact what is the interactivity do uh do you get to dispel them um you know like uh how does dispelling work i think that's another thing i'm really excited to see um but yeah the removal of magic phase uh makes it uh, uh, uh very possible to be alternate activations would you would you want to try that? Would you ever want to try that? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, 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 I'm very excited for this, and I think I'd like to do like you know, dozens of reps with the game as is before I got to that stage, uh, mm -hmm. and then and then try that to try and see the difference and not just you know dismiss it. But what's fun is is they're moving towards a game state where the game can be even more interactive, which is kind of key. Um, and I'm I'm just very very excited and very positive. I really am. I think 
more than anything from this week's article has been my favorite. And because of how those, because movement, I think movement feels a lot like, like two things about war games I love. You make decisions and you feel really mm-hmm. good when you make good decisions. And yeah. mo- and movement is how you effectively like transpose a lot of those decisions on the board state other than rolling dice. Like you move and you create, that's the movement. And they've now not made it so that they're just, you know, indestructible blocks battling each other in the middle of the board for six turns. There is yep. a little bit more than that. Brilliant. That's that's an 11 out of 10 situation for me. I couldn't have, I actually didn't expect it to be that good. And I'm actually really happy. So that's that's really, really exciting for the future. It really is. Um, so, you know, we might be getting too excited. All these design things they might throw in, might not. But, you know, this is the first version of this. So, you know, it's exciting to see what it might be. Um, yeah, and yeah, how it all comes together is, is you know, there's the, the you know, Will will be the most fascinating thing, but again, one of the reasons why I'm I am very very. And before we even saw any of this, I was I was on the strain. Was uh, I think it was back when we were complaining about how long it was taking. I eventually realized was like, holy shit! Actually, they are they're taking they're take they're taking a long time. Like knowing what we know, which is the um, I don't know panic fueled adrenaline. Basically, what Rob's sleep cycle used to be like was kind of like the design cycle of a GW game. Filled with terror, uh, gasping for breath, and just hoping that you get to the end of it. And <laughs> the the this has not. This has been developed in a very old world kind of way. Uh, it's been developed over a long period of time. It's it's percolated uh, again. Whether they've been actively designing and working on it for all four years, probably probably was already an idea before they even announced it. So we're looking at probably like five plus years of where this was a twinkle in someone's eye, and they were thinking about it. The first, the first reveal we ever got about anything to do with rules was this sort of fluffy sounding thing about how they were like playing every edition of the game and like they're going to take the best from everywhere. But what we've seen is them really develop, de- uh, delivering on that promise. We are seeing them take from uh, every edition of uh, every past edition of fantasy and we're seeing them take liberally from uh, things that were developed outside of it, including in Warhammer Army's project um I, I wish i was more familiar with ninth age i wonder if there's been any ninth age influence i'm sure there is some um and also as we covered in a previous episode uh warhammer ancient battles uh there are concepts just sort of being taken so like yes it's i guess one of the things that scared me about how you were talking was how old eighth edition felt to you and i wonder if by taking the best of a lot of those old mechanics and putting them together from a let's say uh, put re- remixed by a modern game designer, maybe you do get something that plays a little more, um, uh, a, a little more lightly and focuses on some of the things in modern game design, like pace and, um, you know, um, yeah. Pace anyway, so maybe, 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 maybe it's greater than the sum of its parts. You know what I mean? Um, and the sum of its parts is going to be a lot because there's a lot of parts. <laughs> Pace and tempo is such an important factor in modern game design. I think that like people should talk more about, uh, which I think is 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 key. And it, there's so many videos to make about this stuff. It's so fun. It yeah. Just just noticing the time. Should we? Got, should we? Got just, ten minutes. Ten minutes. Okay, ten minutes. Yeah. So, do you want to do a quick TLDR on the Square Base GT, knowing we're going to do, um, knowing we're going to do like maybe another video in the future or maybe in the next couple of days if you get time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, TLDR on it. A couple of big takeaways. One, um, 
I had fun losing. <laughs> uh, and actually, in, in, it's going to be really cool to see how the ways I lost wouldn't necessarily be the same ways I'd lose in old world the way it's shaping up for a lot of the reasons why you're talking about. Um, basically, you know, like, um, in, in, you know, I had a couple, like, there are a couple pivotal turns where, uh, you know, a break didn't happen or, you know, I miscasted on three dice and I lost the rest of my dice and I wasn't able to have the magic phase I needed. Um, and also just classic Val um, mistakes being made and playing opponents um, that, that were, that were, you know, not making uh, very obvious <laughs> mistakes of overconfidence. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I ever went two and three at a, at a, at a war at a 40 K event and felt as like an a didn't care. Um, so I really just was able to really enjoy each game as they came. I didn't care I, uh, about my my record, which I know this sound, might sound silly to you, but I always super care. <laughs> even though like, <laughs> even though I like, I don't, I like, I'm not a top table guy. Uh, I always have the dream of, you know, just squeaking my way in and like maybe, maybe stealing one. And that never entered my mind for a minute. I was, I was very present in each game and each game was super fascinating. I was really impressed at how, the room felt like they knew enough to know what they were doing. I, like, did you get that sense too? Like I was shocked at how competent people were at this, um, considering it's been a dead game for as long as it has. So I'd say two things about that. Number one, I think like the event maybe can't even work without Pete. Um, Pete was yeah. fantastic. So Pete the Falcon, uh, if there was a single moment, you could just turn around, Pete would answer you in half a second. If not, he'd go and look it up. And he was just, he was basically like a DM for, you know, 15, 18, 16 games. So he was incredible at that. So that's really important to mention. Um, and then secondly, I was actually surprised. Like, like, <laughs> like, I haven't played this game. Me and you played two turns of a game of Warhammer Finance Battle two years ago. Other that's than right. that... Other than that, I haven't played for eight or ten years. I, can't, I keep saying eight, but I think it might be ten when it got blown up. No, no, it'll be eight. It's 2015. 2015. 2015. Okay, so eight yeah. years. AOS, AOS drops 2015. So if you played through the end times, you would have been playing in a 2015. Yeah, I was playing until the last day. Like, yeah, okay. So so 2015, so eight years. And you and me played a little bit of a game again Friday night with you running me through like how it works and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. I kind of got it. Uh, and then there were loads of points over the first couple of games where I was like, like the, the the you know, you've moved, it's minus one. There's another thing, some things you had to check with Pete uh, and some other little bits. Can direct damage do, you know, spells into combat, out of combat? Pete like, had like nine decisions about that. So like we, we <laughs> like, and I honestly didn't care about the result. Um, but fundamentally- The thing about Peter is he may not know the answer, but you sure should think he does. Yeah. So yeah. whatever he, whatever comes out of his mouth is acceptable as an he's a per, he's a really good. That's that's to me what, what a referee's all about. Is a referee or an umpire is always right in the moment, and you better believe Pete is right in the moment when he tells you something. So uh, well, that was exactly yeah. what I said. Like he said, you can't do that, and I was like, okay, Pete, no problem. Does seem like that this is pointless then? And he came back later. And was like, that was actually wrong. So I was like, okay. <laughs> like I was happy with the first decision. You tell me. Um, and so they changed the result of the game after the fact, right? Yeah, always, always. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, World Hammer Championships. Let's go. Um, I see you've been on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, actually, I was amazed at how easy it was. There were a couple of moments I didn't enjoy. 
Got into combat, and it was like, what's your initiative? And I was like, oh, fucking Christ. And it was like this. Yeah, we had to, like, decide who was swinging when and at what time. And, you yeah. know, and we definitely didn't do it. Then We definitely didn't do it in the right order often. I was like, I just don't care. I was like, I'm just going to do this all at the same time. You can work out later. Um, but, like, and arcs and stuff. Uh, but, like, genuinely, it was super easy to pick up. Um, honestly, it was. I think if you play 40k now, you played Sigma, nothing will be alien to you with the except. Like, I don't think any of it will be alien to you. The only thing maybe that's super confusing is wheeling and closing gaps. Other than that, like, but you already know how to do pylons and stuff. It's basically the same. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I- I'll, I'll, like people who say AOS is is simple are are oh. somehow dumb like, like like all of these games are hard like they and they they do all have even if they are simplified it's still a vertical learning curve yeah um what what i'm really eager to see too is because they've been so yes they still have wheels for example i was hoping we would just see pivoting on the spot and get rid of having them do uh a, a, a basically impossible to be accurate with measurement mm. uh, unless you're using um like proper like measuring sticks or something like that like it's it's essentially impossible to like accurately measure a wheel don't fight me on this it's true 100%. Um, and, and no i'm talking to that, that one's to the youtube commenters because no, i just talk, want you I, to know i just want you to know i'm backing you up there yeah, yeah. youtube uh, commenters if you come in and start saying that then two of us were on it <laughs> um so i would have loved to see more abstraction around that because you know even moving in a straight line because of parallax and just general inaccuracy um you know it is is difficult to get get right on so on the others on the other half of it too is i'm really curious to see like when these blocks come together especially when you have multiple multiple units in combat things get a little weird uh in in the rules and they get a little uh yeah it just gets it, it, can, it can get kind of difficult like how how like units line up who's allowed to fight that kind of stuff um especially who can fit into combat in the first place mm-hmm. is a little bit confusing uh and in some places in the <laughs> Some places in the rule book, it's literally like 404 error, uh, page not found. Uh, just figure it out on your own, guys. Uh, work it out. Uh, so, like, I'm hoping that in this rule set, they've found ways to do that more elegantly, if you if you know what I mean, mm. um, because that would be really cool. Um, but um, getting back to the original question, which is, like, takeaways from uh, the game, this is actually something that I, I desperately want to do as a video, and, and you can come along with me on it, but something that... I think became apparent is that from a, from from certainly a Warhammer perspective because other games have had this figured out I think much more from from the from go is I would say uh, gaming etiquette um, and how to play with strangers has evolved so far since 2015 it's it's kind of ridiculous like how how different it is um, how um, how we've learned how to play collaboratively but competitively so essentially we don't have a judge next to us we don't have an arbiter between us and i think both communities in aos and 40k i know 40k very well have developed ways of of playing a game at a very high level a game that is inaccurate a game that's much better probably termed as a sport because there is much more fungibility in it um they've we've 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 we sort of learned ways to do that and by that i mean Playing by declared intent, rolling where you where your opponent can see them, being open about you know what your list can do, um, and the games themselves support that by not and you talk about this in the car podcast. The games themselves support that by removing a lot of gotcha mechanics 
um, and making it so that it's more about what is the game state, what is possible. Both sides know what's possible, who makes the right choice. That makes a better game. Um, and I think because, and again, you talked about this on the pod, on the podcast, um, you're a Patreon. So just, Actually, yeah. yeah, there's a Patreon exclusive <clears throat> podcast uh, on for the Squarebase podcast, but is like will be we, uh, available for free like in a week's time. So if you like, so, and it's like scheduled, so I've got nothing to, I think it's like Monday. So if you sign oh, up, to the, you can sign up to the Patreon without ever actually subscribing. I mean, subscribe if you'd like to, that would be awesome. But, um, and, awesome. You, and you'll join our Discord, but you, um, you, you can become a follower now and then not subscribe. And so when stuff does become free, you gain access to it. So that's, that's a new Patreon feature that they've installed. Some people don't know that. Yeah, um, and just the, the the point Rob made, and it was just like how the game was made to just make it feel bad. <laughs> and I guess I guess if it would if it's like oh you oh you if you're playing if you're playing with you know like uh, not like uh, an intent to try and win the the, the game really uh, with with everything you got, and you're not incentivized to even lean in more into those gotcha situations. For example, in previous versions of the game, officially you wouldn't tell your opponent. What magic items your, your characters had? It just wasn't something that you included on your list. That was a mystery. And there were lots of lots of magic items that hinged on that, on that lack of, of opponent's knowledge so that there would be a very powerful effect that just suddenly would be there. I experienced that in the first uh, tournament I ever played in um, uh, a, a year ago, and it was a group of guys. They always played with closed lists, but they also knew everything. So I played into Skaven, and Lordy Lou... Skaven has all sorts of like wild, crazy stuff that could just spring out of nowhere with extreme power. And it was kind of lame. And I lost uh, that game in large part because I didn't automatically know what to expect as far as what those surprises were. So the gotcha only works if you're playing someone who's uh, ignorant or lower than you in, in, in maybe skill level of the game. Um, so anyway, that is all to say that like we have, we have developed, um, I think, uh, behaviors and ways of approaching this uh, approaching these games that make for a much more pleasurable experience for both players that help to ensure that really the game's about who's making the best decisions at the right time um and uh i think that's not necessarily something that um you know it's definitely not innate i think the innate way to play competitive games is maybe to get a little carried away over uh your tricks and uh and maybe um it can be very easy to be tempted to you know, take what you can get. And I think that we have like a really good opportunity to provide some, I'd say information about like how can, how you can play this game collaboratively, but still really competitively and, uh, and make it so that, you know, you're coming away as Rob likes to uh, with, with uh, you know, five new friends at, at the end of a tournament. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Like the how people have communicated across these games, like Age Sigmar and 40k, has developed intrinsically. Playing to intent is vital. Uh, over communication, I said that a lot over the weekend. I was like, "Hey, I'd really like to over communicate." And there was a couple of situations where I failed to over communicate, and I was like, "That's my bad." There was a good example where I was playing Skaven, um, and then I was like, "Obviously, that unit's in the front." So, but when he looked, he was like, "I think I'm just." in the flank and i was like i really should have communicated that like or i should have pivoted them back the 0.1 millimeter you know and so we had to have a conversation and it was a really good yeah. conversation who i played was really wonderful but i had to be like like obviously like i didn't take the time and again that's what i mean about the mechanics versus the conversation i would have had to be like right think about the mechanics am i 
like, is it the majority? I was like, it's flat. It's best. It's basically the front, and it was 0.1 millimeter or something stupid that it wasn't. And I had like, and I just didn't measure that, and therefore I didn't communicate it. But if I'd have just said the intent is, then when we got there, we could have had that, and that was my mistake um, at that moment. And it's really healthy to have those conversations about <laughs> intent. Um, you know, but also I was just trying to like keep the numbers in my head. I was like, well, how's this cable work? It's, it's interesting that in the eight years since since fantasy died, we've also learned uh, phrases like ongoing and informed consent. Um, and ongoing and informed consent uh, is an important thing, not just in in, uh, you know, re relating to uh, potential partners you may have, uh, but also with deciding on what that game state is. So I, I think I used to see this a lot with John Lennon. Uh, back when I was really paying attention to 40k, just for, squ for, square, for square base people, that is a, a very well known 40k player, and not like not the not not, not the abusive uh, 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 former member of the Beatles. Um, the but basically the point I was trying to make is when you when you would watch him play, and I, I don't know if he's still like this, but he was over the top about every single thing he would do. You would check in with his opponent. Okay, this guy's going six inches. He's 12 inches from this player. Do you agree? Or from this unit? Do you agree? Okay, cool. And then he would do it. So basically, as he was going, narrating all of his moves, that's an extreme version of it. But certainly in, in a situation like what you just described, in the movement phase is when you yeah. is when you agree on the game state, right? Because we have to accept that there's a base level of inaccuracy in 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 how we measure things and all that sort of stuff. Really. The game state is what is agreed upon between opponents, and you want to always make sure that that agreement is made before it matters. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that I think we can maybe share in a, in a good edited video um, and uh, amongst other things, too, that aren't necessarily obvious, um, but really, I think, help make it so that, you know, you can play this game at uh, a high level and you can try really, really, really hard. Um, it's, uh, anyway, so uh, good stuff I, one like more that. take One more takeaway from the weekend really quick is... I finished all my games with sometimes a long time to spare, which is great. And not because anyone got particularly wiped out or tabled, um, which I thought was really interesting. And that also generally was also the, the entire event. The games finished easily on time in a three hour-ish window, um, yeah. you know, almost, almost consistently uh, across the entire player base, which is crazy when some people, it was their first, it was their first event literally their first time playing sometime it was their first time playing and so i think that really speaks to like and obviously they would have been very chill people who'd have been like look i don't really care how it works out um you know and playing through the game but the fact that even that you could get through those games very quickly was actually to me a bit of a bonus um you know so i quite like that like i quite, I quite like that i was actually quite impressed because that was my only goal my only goal from the weekend was finish all five games make sure your opponent has a nice time finish all five games um in time and that was comfortably that was very easy to achieve because the units are on trays uh it like and you saw this i think when you when when like adam and dustin played each other when you have command of the once you have command and mastery of the rules um and you, you kind of know what you're doing with your army fantasy has the ability to play super fast um it, it can get bogged down in certain elements of it but for the most part you know uh to to like well-practiced opponents are going to be able to play fantasy uh, like very, very, very fast. You actually, even if you have hundreds of models, you only have a couple of units. You know what I mean? Like you have maybe, a, you know, at most a dozen units.
Um, so that's that's kind of a neat thing. But yeah, I think because like because like in a forty k or an eighty two combat phase, you would you would always individually pile in each model. Like that, yeah. you know, you, you just literally can't avoid that. Um, and then because battles, well, I mean, apart from steadfast, I, I, combat was fairly easy to resolve as well. It was quite fun. Yeah. Um, I think I think we've done it. Good. All right. Well, listen, I uh, hope you've enjoyed this show. If you are watching this on YouTube, then please do like and subscribe. And if you listen to it as a podcast, then hit a follow. And also leave a review. The next person to leave a review on the podcast will get a shout out on the next video uh, oh. or oh, podcast. Okay. Like, so, right. you, know, you know, leave it on iTunes, leave it on Spotify, where we could be found on all those places. I actually was much harder to do than you think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't know if Spotify has reviews. It's certainly Apple, Apple, which is half of the podcast market. If you're an Apple listener, hop on there and definitely leave a review. That definitely helps there. Yeah, that would be great. And also, we do have an Instagram Squarebase podcast, which I will include in the show notes, so you can go find that now and follow us. Where we'll start be posting pictures from the weekend and stuff we've got coming up in the future. So if you want to track mm -hmm. us there, which would be fun. Uh, so that's it. And thank you as always to Val for being a superstar. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for, for you're a superstar. Thanks. You're a superstar. <laughs> and thanks to everyone who's watched. I hope you've enjoyed it and very much for looking forward to next week. And thank you to everyone on the on the uh, the Square Based Patreon and the Honest War Gamer Patreon uh for helping support the show. You're all wonderful. Thanks very much. <laughs>